Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. Today, I learned the reason that they built a, of all things, Whataburger digital kitchen, where there used to be a perfectly good Taco Bell near me. Now, I'm not really a frequenter of fast food all that much, but I will say that in the hierarchy of fast food, and let's go ahead and get out of the way the fact that none of it is very good for us, Taco Bell is kind of up there for me in a guilty pleasure standpoint. So when they got rid of the Taco Bell and they put in a Whataburger, I was one level of disappointed because unlike a lot of Texas, I could give a crap about Whataburger. Sorry, Whataburger fans. I just don't see what's so great about it. But then there was this additional level of what is going on here when I saw that they were making it a digital kitchen. Now, I had seen this once before. There's, um, I believe that there's a Kava near us that's a digital kitchen. But I didn't think anything of it because I've gone to that Kava before and it just felt like a quick serve restaurant like Chipotle. And it must have been partially a digital kitchen now that I know what a digital kitchen is because I swear there were tables in there and you could go and you could sit down at the Kava. But at the Whataburger, that's not the case. It is pickup only, uh, mostly drive through only, but you can walk up and just get something too. And I believe the order, the idea is that you order online, hence it being a digital kitchen. I thought it was just kind of an annoying buzzword, uh, buzzword sort of thing where like, ooh, it's a digital kitchen. And that's like saying that it's super cool and rad for all of the teenagers out there because obviously teenagers are still saying rad. But I I didn't get what the point was. I was like, man, you took down my Taco Bell and you put in this Whataburger digital kitchen. What is going on here? It just seems so dumb. And then just the other day, my daughter told me that one of her friends in the high school told her the reason for it being a digital kitchen and what that means. So first of all, I mean, I, I guess I had already figured out what it meant. The fact that you couldn't go in and sit down at any point. And by the way, that also felt unnecessarily restrictive. I was like, well, why? Like, why would you not? I mean, for, forget about you can make it a digital kitchen. You can offer pickup, but why would you not just put tables? Because sometimes people just want to sit down and the conspicuous exclusion of them because they, I don't know that they entirely built a new building, but they, they, they might as well have. Like they easily, and the Taco Bell had a place to sit inside. So I didn't understand why that was. And then what she told me further was that apparently the reason it's a digital kitchen is because our local area has this weird sort of restaurant curfew. This was, apparently this is the one where I get a little curmudgeon and annoyed because this restaurant curfew is something, and I don't know if that's what you call it, but they, within this specific area, restaurants have to close at nine. I, now, I'm not exactly positive on whether it's nine every night or whatever, but it has to close, they have to close at nine. You can't have a restaurant open at nine, past nine, other than, you, you know, you have to close the doors and let the people who are inside finish up, which is annoying because if you want to go eat something, I, you know, I don't know about you. I'm not usually I'm not always done by nine. Sometimes I want to eat after nine. But anyway, this curfew exists. And apparently the whole digital kitchen concept is meant to get around that because there's different rules for something where you pick up. So it allowed the restaurant to survive, thrive, 
exist sell burgers without having to um, obey, without having to worry about that curfew, without having to shut down at nine. And so with all that said, you're like, okay, well, why do I care about a Whataburger? And the reason is because the larger lesson here is about looking at limitations as opportunities for creative thought. Now, in our case, in my case, that's mostly going to be literal creative thought, meaning thought used to generate a creative endeavor, usually a book in my case. And I have done several projects where I've had to color inside specific lines. So one of my favorite examples of this is um, I have a book called Axis of Aaron, and there was a cover designer named Jason Gurley. And this was before like AI generative art and all this stuff. And so finding a really good cover designer, I mean, it's still really important, but it was even more important then. And he, uh, his book covers were very expensive. And when I was starting out, we kind of couldn't afford to pay his prices, but we really liked him and we liked what it was that he did. And he had a bunch of covers that were already made and they already, you could change the title, but the cover itself was not going to change. And so he had this one and it showed like a dock scene, uh, like a seaside town scene that was reflected in the water. And it was at a, it was a skew, it was at a tilt and the type was tilted too. And so it presented this kind of skewed view of a doubled perspective on this seaside town. Now, to be clear, there was no story idea to go with this. And so uh, I wrote the story with Sean Platt. And um, we decided we were going to write something that was as literary as we could make it, and we were going to base it on this cover. And so with nothing other than this cover, we decided that we would have to find one that would fit. What, what book would go between the pages that had this cover on it? And that's how what became a very good book, I thought, came out of it. We also did a project called Fiction Unboxed, where the goal was to, uh, well, a live audience watched us, was to... Uh, write a book from scratch, starting from absolutely nothing in 30 days. And we had to get it done in 30 days. And that's not easy. That was brainstorming. That was first draft. That was second draft. But the project that came out of that, the book that came out of it was a book called The Dream Engine, which became a five-part series that kind of spans, I mean, it's like a, a dark tower sort of epic by the end, a whole world epic that came out of this very simple idea. So embracing limitations can be a way to force creative thought. It can force you to think along lines that a, a lazier perspective where you can do anything you want, where you might not think of that at all. And so when you're forced to not be able to use your usual set of tools, then pivoting and using other tools can be like a breath of fresh air. You know, I never saw this coming. I never would have thought of doing this one thing, you might be thinking, but then only because you were forced, only because you couldn't keep your Whataburger open after nine, did you open the digital kitchen, which makes you way more money than a normal restaurant with half the overhead. Now, making that part up, I don't know if it was like this boon to Whataburger. And plus, I don't think you're writing about a Whataburger or doing art about a Whataburger. But that's the idea, is that there have been many times where I've had to pivot in some way. And it's beyond art too. Think differently because there's a restriction. Um, you know, there's only one house for sale and I have to buy a house very soon because my lease is going to end. 
And so therefore I have to find a way to make it work. Um, I have a bottleneck in my income and I need to solve this problem and I need to do it really fast because I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. And then the thing that I end up doing to patch that hole, the, the desperate measures that I had to go to that I wouldn't normally have gone to ended up creating something brand new, something amazing. The number of times where a dead end or a limitation has ended up creating something that is not just good enough, but better than it created something superior that wouldn't have existed normally. So that's true in story. That's true in art. And just the practice of pivoting anyway, just that practice of like malleable elastic thought is something that's always good for creatives because the worst thing we can do is to get stuck in a rut and keep doing everything the same exact way. So just remember, anytime any sort of limitation or wall is put in front of you, it might be your friend because you will then have to outthink it and might end up creating something much more interesting and much better than you would have otherwise. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, there's a full article about every episode on my website at johnnybtruant.com, as well as show notes and transcripts. If you find value in what I do, please consider becoming a member of the site. Just click on membership at the top. Members get extra weekly episodes of the podcast, extra companion articles, my current in-progress book, if you're into that sort of thing, and more, all for just a few bucks a month. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.